through that. I'm going to speak to Davinia James Stewart, who's speaking to me out of Silver Springs in Maryland, I presume, uh, who is the founder for Pennies for Girls Project and has collected 1.5 million pennies um, and, and to find out what she has done with it. Davinia, good evening and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Great stuff. Look, the line doesn't sound too great. Um, and I presume it's because we're on an international line, if I'm not mistaken. Is this any better? It's it's a bit better, yeah. It's a bit better. I can hear you a little better. Oh, okay. Uh, Davinia, let's start off with, I mean, I, I read a little bit about your biography, and I think we'll come back to that, because I don't want to sort of just launch into the personal details of who Davinia is. Let's get comfortable first and have a decent conversation before we get into the personal okay. heavy stuff sounds like a plan <laughs> so pennies for girls the pennies for girls project i mean just give us a brief outline of, of of what is the project and and what do these pennies do and how do the where do these pennies come from okay so pennies for girls um started off as a um birthday gift from my heart to the world so um I, what five years ago i was just thinking about birthday presents and not just wanting random gifts. Mm. And the more I thought about it, um, the whole idea of using pennies to educate girls came about because I saw all these pennies in my purse just sitting there. And for me, I was just thinking, what can I use these pennies to do? And at the same time, I was thinking about giving the world a gift from my heart. And they both collided. And when I say a light bulb went off over my head, literally a light bulb went off. And I said to myself, oh, I'm just, I'm going to use them to send girls to school in developing countries. So why pennies Mm. is that pennies aren't valuable. And in parts of the world, that that's how girls are viewed. Mm. In addition, when it comes to pennies, people are more likely to give them away because they're considered not having any value. So pennies here, you can't use them in the um, parking meters or anything like that. So people are more prone um, prone to throwing them away or Mm, mm. just putting them aside. And the whole concept came alive for me and I just ran with it and I started asking um, family and friends to donate their pennies and then I just went to my social network platform asking people please to donate their pennies I know it's there I want to help to send girls to school because currently there are there are 132 millions of girls worldwide that are deprived of an education and for me I wanted to change that so that's how Pennies for Girls um, started. Well, that's brilliant. And I mean, uh, and and the, the collection process, because as you said, and, and this happens, I mean, in South Africa, in fact, I mean, the equivalent of a penny for us would be, um, and slowly we're getting rid of these coins because we used to have a one cent, right? And the penny in, in the U.S., at least I know, is, is a single cent out of, out of a dollar. Right. Um, so we also mm-hmm. used to have the one cent uh, unit and we got rid of that and the two cent eventually went and, you know, slowly but surely my childhood was being killed because then five cents disappeared. And now I think 10 cents is literally sort of also dwindling 
um, in, in popularity. So, um, you know, all too often, and I know in the US, you guys also have sort of where the penny gets chucked into the jar and people can use a penny if they're short of a penny in a shop, you know, in some shops, et cetera, et cetera. Right, yeah. Going yes. back to sort so of the... What is interesting, though, is that it takes a lot. It takes, what is it, a dollar and nine cents to make a penny, but it's only worth one cent, isn't it? Wow. That's what's interesting. That is crazy. That is crazy. But I mean, yeah, you have, all, you have all these pennies sort of just lying around and people don't really have economic value for them. So what you're saying is, is that let's take it a step further. Um, instead of just chucking the stuff away or, or, or not having any particular use for it, we, we can actually redirect this. And if you accumulate enough pennies, then you can actually change and, and influence the lives of, of young women who find themselves in the developing world. Right. That's correct. And I mean, where do the funds get directed to? I mean, you, you, you've given us a brief indication, um, but how, how do the funds get, reach these young people? And then what sort of, mm -hmm. where does it go into um, generally? Okay, so when I first started, so I would have people mail me pennies. And when I first started, the furthest I got pennies from was South Africa. I didn't think that my my drive would reach that far, but I have now collected pennies from South Africa, India, and now Germany. Wow. And for me, I am very hands-on into this project of mine because it's something that is very dear to my heart. And so I work with nonprofits in different countries that are doing the work on the ground. And that is what is very important when it comes to to helping or creating change in developing countries, it is very important to connect to the people. Because if you don't connect to the people, I think you kind of miss how to effectively create change. So for me, I work with nonprofits that are doing the work on the ground. My recent um, project through Johnson Johnson was to help girls in Nigeria who are missing from classrooms because of their menstrual cycle. So I collaborated with Hope and Dreams Initiative to bring that change about. Uh, that for me is, and then these are sort of some of the things that we um, in South Africa deal with. And then, I mean, I, I understand that you have a close affinity with um, young women from the developing world. You yourself, uh, you know, for all intents and argument, uh, finding yourself uh, being born and, and growing up and spending your childhood at least in a developing state yourself. So there is an understanding of what the issues are in those spaces because I think the big concern, especially for many of us here in Africa and especially South Africans, um, is that there's, you know, that there's a lot of charity coming from the West, but a lot of it is, is misguided and misplaced almost. Um, you know, usually right. comes with a carrot and stick um, a scenario and people are very sort of nervous about it throughout the continent. But in your instance, this year deals with the direct social issues that impact on women um, and, and, and impact on their rights. Right. But I mean, yeah, it's, that's correct. Sure, sure. And I mean, in the, in the process that, that goes into that, I mean, is there a consultative process that you undertake uh, with the countries that you, um, you know, send, uh, where you assist? And then which countries do you cover? So now I have a total of 10 countries that I've impacted. So it's India, Egypt, Afghanistan, Ethiopia, 
Nepal, Cambodia, Haiti, wow. Sierra Leone, and I think I'm missing one because my my tenth one um, is now Nigeria. Gee whiz! I mean, you basically spread all over the world. I mean, from Africa all the way to to uh, you know the furthest Everywhere. eastern reaches and, of. <laughs> yeah, because the way how I look at it is, if there's a girl that needs my help. I'm mm. going to help you. I don't care about the color of your skin, your geographical location, just the fact that you need help. I'm going to give it to you because I am fortunate enough to be given the opportunity to go to school, to gain quality education. And for me, I just look at the fact that what if all girls got this opportunity, they could create that domino effect in creating change and making this world better than the one that they were born in. But I mean, if, you know, surely you also then come out of this um, process, right? Um, yourself, uh, Davinia, and, and you, you, it's it's not just a case of let's help with sanitary towels here, let's help with, um, you know, tampons there, let's help with education here and there, and that's the end of it. I mean, I'm sure that there's some level of interaction with these communities and the environments that these women are from, um, and then what are some of the trends that you pick up? I mean, if, and you can be country specific. If, if there's a particular country that comes to mind and certain things have happened and certain things you've noticed there comes to mind, please do share it with us. But I mean, what are some of the biggest stumbling blocks and the issues that you do come across? Because even for us as South Africans, I think that there could be a massive amount of, of, of ignorance as to how bad things could be right. out there. Because as you know, we sort of, uh, middle-income country, we we in a relatively comfortable space um, as compared to many mm-hmm. of our, our, our neighbors, you know, our nearest neighbors. Right. So the biggest challenge that I have faced is that it is not that easy to go into a country and create that change. I am from Jamaica. I was born there. And Jamaica hasn't been on my list yet because it is not easy. And you would think that it would be easy for me being that I am Jamaican, Mm. but it is not. Whereas you don't have that channel to directly communicate with dignitaries and for them offering you that platform or that channel to create the change. So when it comes to Jamaica, that's my major um, issues. And when it comes to just other developing countries, I realize that you have to be very sensitive. And not because it's a developing country means that you are going to address them all the same way. They're all different with different cultures and all and all of that. So you have to be sensitive in how you, how how your approach is. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, with um, Nigeria um, providing them with um, feminine care products, there is one set of girls that are very limited on knowledge when it comes about um, mm. their period because there's this whole taboo surrounding it. And then you also have another set that knows what the feminine care products are, but there are also another set 
that doesn't know the different types of the feminine care products. So you have to be mindful of that when it comes to your approach in dealing with developing countries and creating sustainable um, change. Well, which I guess is a valuable lesson for anyone in that space, because obviously there is that big uh, cultural relativity where, you know, your background versus the the other background uh, don't necessarily line up. And therefore, um, you know, there are lessons to be learned on either on either side. Um, uh, I see that. I mean, uh, thus far, there's I'm looking at the figures that you have. Uh, you know, in terms of your collection. So 1.5 million pennies, which roughly translates to, not roughly, but translates to 15,000 US dollars. actually 2 million pennies. Um, so you're on 2 million, because I was going to say, I'm sure this yes, must be updated. I am at, I'm at 2 million and 450 girls sent to school. Oh, that is brilliant stuff. I mean, that's a lot of work. So, I mean, earlier on you meant that you uh, mentioned that you got all these pennies from different countries. So, from South Africa all the way to mm-hmm. India to obviously the US. There's a lot of support in that particular space. How do these, and I know that you answered it earlier on where people mail you the pennies and so forth. But, I mean, for South Africans listening to you right now, Davinia, saying that, listen, she's doing great work. She has the networks and she knows Thank where you. the money needs to do, go. Um, or, you know, where the, mm-hmm. where the assistance needs to go. Uh, there's no need for me to recreate the wheel and all that other stuff. So I'll rather support Davinia and send the money in her direction um, as opposed to whatever else, you know, whatever other interventions are out there. How do, how do I as a South African get the money to you, Davinia? That's really what I want to know. Okay, so the only way right now is through mailing pennies. Mm. Um, that's one of my biggest way in getting these pennies but i've also had supporters gone through the trouble of going to their banks counting it out transferring it in cash and finding whichever means that that works for them getting that um money to me and then i then work with the whichever um, nonprofit is it in different countries, getting them, whether it's paying for their um, their school fee or getting mm. them books or getting them um, feminine care products. And, like, I'm not going to lie, it, it is challenging. And when I say it is challenging, when I get pennies in the mail, I'm the one that personally count them and package them and have my husband bring trolleys to the banks. And the minute I, I walk in, they look at me like, oh, my gosh, trouble is here again. And <laughs> the thing is, I'm not going to apologize for it because the, the way that I see it is that if you tell me no, that you're not accepting my pennies, the only thing I hear is, no, you cannot send a girl to school. And then I have an issue with that. And then I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to challenge your branch manager, and then I'm going to challenge your manager, and I'll go all the way up until I get what is it that I need. Mm, mm, because mm. As, as far as I see, these girls need the opportunity, and I need to do whatever is it that I can do so that they get it. Because education offers freedom and without education a girl is trapped in her own mind and her own life and that is no way for anyone to live it's a death sentence 
I hear you. And, and uh, I mean, it, it immediately also made me think about sort of some of the attitudes then also that prevail in, within some of the communities and some of the areas that you work in. And I mean, you did mention it as well early on, didn't you? Where you were talking about, um, uh, you know, some of the challenges that you faced in Nigeria where some of these young women aren't aware of what they go through, yes. um, you know, when it comes to menstruation mm-hmm. even. Um, and I'm sure that that must be a, a, a difficult situation. But what about also the taboo? I mean, here you are, again, you're a woman, uh, and we know that there's still very patriarchal societies globally. But, uh, you know, the continent is definitely not shy of, of, of shying away from patriarchy. That's the first issue. The second issue is also, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, you are an outsider. You are a foreigner, for lack of a better term. Um, coming with, you know, these ideas and so on and so forth. Do you get any pushback from communities, community leaders, politicians that are like, oh, hang on, you know, slow your roll, stay in your, you know, stay in your, um, stay in your lane? I have yet to get any pushback. And I think when it comes to who I am, mm. like, I'm not, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid of you pushing back because guess what? I'm going to push back too because this is something I am very, passionate about and just to add to that that is why i feel representation is so important so when i give speeches or go to these events i am in my natural form Uh, my hair is natural like i represent because i feel like i'm not just representing the 132 millions of girls deprived of an education, but I am representing me as a black woman. So when girls out there are looking, mm. they can then make that connection with me, whereas, oh, she looks just like me and she's doing this, so I can do it too. I, you know what, I mean, I, I do think, and, and I'll venture um, a guess in this instance here, Divinia, I do think they'd be nice and comfortable now with each other, aren't we? Yes. So now we can get into sort of who Divinia is, why did she decide to embark on this particular mission? I mean, I read, I read a bit of your biography, and it's a very sort of, um, uh, you know, it's a personal account. Uh, you know, it is it is your personal story and and i know that it's not always easy sharing you know with people your personal journey for why you eventually ended up doing something but i'd I'd like to dive into that i mean let's start off with your childhood in and i hope i'm saying this correctly is it uh trelawney trelawney right trelawney and then later on kingston this is in in Mm jamaica i presume both of them are you're born in saint mary jamaica uh, you grew up right. in Trelawney and then later on moved to, to Kingston. I mean, what was life like right. in, in, in Jamaica uh, for you growing up as a child? And I mean, I'm looking now up you in Silver Springs in Maryland, I presume. That's in the U.S., isn't it? Is, is not so. Right. So, so mm-hmm. obviously there's already a stark difference between where you grew up, the environment that you grew up in, and where you find yourself right now. Um, let's talk about Jamaica and you growing up as a child. What, what, was, what was life like for you in, in that space? All right, so I was fortunate enough to enjoy two variations of life. Mm. So at three months old, my biological mom, I was with my biological mom, and I got really sick. And a community activist took me in. Out of all the persons that took me in, a community activist took me in. Mm -hmm. And... She and her husband cared for me until I was 11 
years old. Wow. And living with them, I got, I, I, like, I went to all the fine schools. I had great vacations. And I just had a beautiful life and a life where they taught me to just be me, do me, mm. and not to be afraid. Mm -hmm. At 11, that lady died. And that's when I got the opportunity to go live with my mom. Mm -hmm. That was when I realized that violence and poverty existed. Before 11, I had no idea that it did. Mm -hmm. And I recall living in the area that where my mom lived. It's called the ghetto. Mm. And it was, there are moments where there was calmness. And then there are other moments when the entire community would just be chaos because of all the violence. And I remember coming from school with my brother because I was never allowed to go to school or anywhere by myself. My mom was petrified. And mm. my brother and I were coming from school and we were held up at gunpoint. Mm. A gun was placed on my brother's chest and my brother told me to run. But I froze, and then he screamed again with great might to run and don't look back. And I remember running into my mom's arms, screaming and crying, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. And my mom went out to find out where my brother was. Mm. And when we got there, the guy still had the gun on my brother's chest. My mom took it off him placed the gun on her and said, if you want him, you're going to have to go through us. Mm. At that time, I thought we were all going to die. But at that same moment was, was the first time I saw my mom in superwoman mode. Mm. I mm. was floored. It's so I, like something came over the guy and he just took the gun off and just walked away. I have no idea what happened. He just walked away. But also, a few years after that, I witnessed my friend Johnny um, being killed. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just crazy how I am capable of flipping anything that I go through into something positive. Because even being held up at gunpoint, witnessing my friend's murder, I knew that education would be my way out. And I became the first one out of my family to graduate high school. Then I migrated to the U.S. where I was reunited with my mom. But in physical form, my mom wasn't, she wasn't the person I am used to. My mom was now slender because she, had, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And within two years of being reunited, breast cancer claimed her life and mm. I was angry with the world. I felt cheated. I didn't understand it. But what is so crazy is that life has ways of allowing you to go through different experiences because it is needed in order for you to evolve in who you are meant to be. While my mom was in hospice care, her ride did not show up that day, and they asked someone to take her home. Mm -hmm. That person and her became best friends, 
And on my mom's dying bed, she turned to her and said, will you take care of my daughter? Wow. And she and her husband said yes. And that's how they became my adopted parents. Gee was it? And they knew the value of an education and mm. what it would mean to a girl like me from a developing country. And I became the first one out of my family to now graduate college. And my parents, I call them my rocket pad launchers because whatever it's in my heart and I want to do, they say, go for it. They said, listen, two things could happen. You could win or you could learn a lesson. And either way, we're here for you. And just having that support just propelled me into owning my truth, living my truth, walking my truth, and just following whatever that was in my heart. And mm. that is just pretty much the summary of my life and mm. how every single thing that has happened in my life has brought me to this very moment right now. But, you know, so my parents opened up their heart to my mom and I'm the product of that. And they have given me love I never knew existed. Mm -hmm. And with that love, I am simply paying it forward. And, and, and that's what I saw, you know, in, 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 in this um, summary of, of, you know, what you're doing. And you're saying that you, you're paying this. I think, I mean, you summed it up beautifully that you're paying it forward. But the interesting thing for yeah. me is, you know, the immediate question that then comes up or, or pops up for me is that does Davinia then see herself, the young Davinia, um, sort of, uh, and, and I'm talking about the Davinia that was thrust into the middle of poverty and violence. Do you see yourself in some of these young women that you are helping? Um, and, and what potentially, what, what big potential difference you can make in their lives? Uh, because you yourself, I mean, you understand what impact positive parenting, role models, adoptive parents had in your life. And, and is this not, you know, necessarily the exact same thing, but at least part of that then for these other young women that you're assisting? So I do see myself in them. The thing is, I represent them. As I was once them, and I still am them. That's mm -hmm. the way that I look at it. And with what my parents have given me, they're, they're giving me something beyond money or anything like that, they have given me true value. And I know what that true value is. And I know that everyone in this world has true value. Everyone in this world is worthy. But at the end of the day, millions are lacking the support and the resources. And if I can give that to them, then I can make the biggest change ever. Growing up, I always looked at myself or thought of myself of being or becoming a doctor. Mm. And I think that I am a doctor. I'm a doctor of the world. I'm just doing it in a different way. I mean, what do you say to people that, uh, I mean, listening to this conversation right now, Davinia, here you are um, halfway across the world in the West. I mean, you are in the U.S. right now. You you married. You I, I'm, I'm not sure if you and I have crossed the Rubicon yet. Do you have children there? 
um, you know, not that that you know that that makes uh, necessarily a difference, but. The question, you know, you have a comfortable life, I presume, where you are, as compared to many of yeah. the young people that you're ha- helping. You know, uh, you mentioned countries like Nepal, mm-hmm. you mentioned Nigeria. Parts of Nigeria are just quite, you know, extremely difficult. Um, the point that I'm making, though, is is that you, you're living a, a comfortable or a relatively comfortable life as compared to the people that you're assisting. And you could literally just go on with your life and pay your taxes and move on, isn't it? Without necessarily having to, to, right. to be bothered with, you know, the, the concerns of the world. What drives you and, and how, what would your words of encouragement be for other people to just care a little more, just to give a little more of a damn, if you, if you get my drift? Well, what drives me is my life story is my foundation behind everything that I do. And what drives me is the fact that there's millions in suffering and one small act can make a big difference. And when I say a big difference, a lot of people would think that, oh, I'm not rich. I, I, I can't do anything. And I would say, listen, it's not about the richness in your pocket. It's the richness in your heart. And as long as you have that, you will always act on making a difference for others. So don't look at the fact that, oh, my gosh, I don't have the money to do it. It doesn't matter how small it is. It all becomes part of a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And when I talk to to um, young girls or young boys about creating change, I like to tell them, it's like, listen, it is okay if you don't know how to create change or what you want to do, but I am a global citizen youth advocate, and mm. you need to sign up to become a global citizen because it is a movement to end global poverty, but it also provides eight major issues, eight major world issues that we want world leaders to pay attention to. So if you're stuck at, oh, I don't know what to do, how can I Mm, do it? mm. You could start off by signing up to become a global citizen. And I'm sure you'll find something that resonates with you because years ago when I found them or they found me, I'm not even even sure or recalled how it all went down. But um, one thing that stood out was the fact that they had education as one of their major world issues, and that resonated with me. So if there's something that you're passionate about, you go take a look Mm. at their website, and you just start taking action and you start creating change. So just as a, um, you know, in, in this final minute that we have, I mean, if you can just take us through some of the means through which we can get a hold of you, if people want to find out more um, social media pages, I, I believe I found your um, a Twitter handle, uh, which is uh, very simply Pennies for Girls, uh, with right. Pennies for Girls, for girls. Which, with the number four. Um, anything else right. that you can give us um, in terms of details? Um, my Instagram is also Penny's number four for girls, mm-hmm. and my Facebook is Divinia James. And I'm very active on all of social media, so don't be afraid to send me a message. I will reply. 
awesome stuff. I, th- I think that that um, I will definitely be following you on your various social media. I think that it's awesome work that you're doing, Davinia, and I think it's very.